details of my life are quite inconsequential. Read my lips. If you have sex, your penis will fall off and land in another dimension populated entirely by dogs who will eat it. Well, that's something I'd like to avoid. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I'm a paladin with 18 charisma and 97 hit points. I can use my helm of disintegration and do 1d4 damage as my half-elf mage wields his plus five holy avenger. And as president, I'm going to make it impossible for congressmen or lobbyists to slip pork barrel projects or corporate welfare into laws when no one's looking. Because when I'm president, meetings where laws are written will be more open to the public, no more secrecy. That's a commitment I make to you as president. The Michael Graff Show. It is my opinion he is a danger to himself and others and is in need of treatment. Some people are just too stubborn to know when to quit. And this guy just happens to be one of them. He's been beaten down repeatedly by God's practical jokes. He's been banished to the deepest, darkest corners of the internet. From somewhere in desert Urbania, this is Michael Groff in Exile. Friday already? Seems like yesterday was Thursday. Right, what's going on? It's another edition of Michael Graff in Exile. Michael Graff in Exile. We ought to get that voice for the uh, for the podcast. The guy that does the rock voices and the AMR Supercross. Well, how much uh, that guy probably doesn't come cheap. He's probably not some pushover like me who would just, you know, give it up to, to anybody for a couple of bucks. Um, I need a sandwich. Uh, all right, all right. You're gonna do uh, six six pages of voiceovers for five cents. Okay. This seems like a reasonable exchange. At this point, I'd take it. All right. Okay, so uh, the last couple of days, not here because uh, the power supply in this computer blew out. Finally, it uh, it just decided. That's why our podcast, which I will also be posting uh, today, I, I will be posting, I believe it's, it's Tuesday's podcast. I will be posting that finally today. I couldn't because the power supply overheated. And so that uh, the last segment of that podcast is fraught with, fraught milf, is rot. It, Anyway, it's full of, of technical issues, just like me. All right. So, of course, yesterday, uh, while I was not here to do the podcast, um, well, I was here. The computer was not here. All right. So uh, while we weren't able to do a podcast yesterday, what wound up happening was uh, some guy decided he had had enough. He was just good, done, and pissed off with the government and the IRS. And uh, he got himself a plane and flew it right into a building. And not just a building, but he flew it into an IRS building. So, uh... 
That's... It always happens. Whenever we can't do a show, some catastrophe happens. I think the world needs me to do this show. Because every time I don't, that's when something weird happens. I wasn't able to do the show for like three months, and, and look at all the catastrophes that happened. God, they put Ellen DeGeneres on American Idol, for God's sake. And what a nightmare that's been. Did you see this? The, the Olympics. Now, I'm surprised by this. The Olympics are actually beating Idol in the ratings. Now, <clears throat> some people might say, well, that, that makes sense. Considering how poorly the Olympics have done in the ratings in years past, uh, specifically the uh, games in, in Italy and uh, even the Salt Lake City game. Well, actually, those did okay in the ratings. But generally speaking, considering how bad they do in the ratings the last several years, I'm surprised that uh, they're beating a juggernaut like American Idol, but that might just, maybe, I mean, what are you going to watch? Uh, curling, which is just phenomenal. Oh, boy. I, or, or Ellen. Or I don't know, anything else on maybe the other 798 channels. Or you could be like me and just not watch TV altogether, which I think is the better option. I mean, given the choice, that's, well, that's what I do. So, and I think I think I make the most sense. All right. Well, so we have we have to talk about this guy, uh, Joe Stack. This guy that went nuts and he uh, got in got in his plane and he flew it into a building. So we'll talk a little bit about that. He left behind a six page manifesto as to what went on. Um, he this was not just some dumbass. Okay, this was not just some random dumbass. Uh, this was a guy that was he was an engineer. He had a, a whole a whole thing. He had a whole purpose behind uh, his madness and we'll get into it we're going to analyze some of what he had to say in his uh in his final manifesto uh he probably should have gone over it with a um with a proofreader because there were some typos in there those are going to haunt him for forever in the afterlife <laughs> i'm sure he's very worried about it i sh i hope this comes out clearly and i hope it's concise i hear the rough draft was like 12 pages but no, he, uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that. Let's see, what else have we got here? We've got to talk about, uh, there is a plot. Now, I want to mention this as well. This is something that's just coming out uh, in the last 24 hours. At a uh, South Carolina base, now you remember the Fort Hood shootings in Fort Hood, Texas. Uh, we had a Muslim extremist in the name of the all-merciful Allah, go nuts and shoot up the place. And he, and he took out 13 people. Remember that guy. And the White House was quick to say it's not terrorism. Everybody was quick to say, oh, it's not terrorism. It's not terrorism. But of course, what else could it really be? It is an act of terrorism, whether you believe it or not. Whether it's Muslim, you know, the Wahhabi sect of terrorism that we think of, the 9-11 style terrorism, whether you think it's that or not, it's still a terrorist act in a sense. So uh, committed against military. And now we have five Muslims who are under arrest, who are being investigated because they allegedly poisoned the food supply of a base in South Carolina. Now, these are people, again, they're in the military and they poisoned the food supply of the people in that military, in the uh, military base, allegedly. 
Uh, so they're being, now this has been going on. This investigation started in December and apparently we're just hearing about it now. <laughs> okay, well, that's good. I'm, I'm glad that the White House, this is more of the transparency that the White House has always been promising us. Uh, we're seeing right through it all. Um, it's, this happened, this started in early December. It is now mid-February and we are just hearing about it. That's good. I, I like I like the fact that this that the Barack Obama administration, I'm glad that the transparency is out. No more secrecy. That's a that's a commitment I make to you as president. <laughs> what, what a what a joke. Yeah. Oh my God. All right. So there's there that's that's another uh, that's another element to all of this. I guess uh, that's really all we need to mention about that. Um, the White House wouldn't even mention that. They've been pretty much keeping a lid on this. White House yesterday, after the uh, after this thing in Austin, Texas, with this uh, guy ramming the plane into the building, they came out and were screaming about how it's not terrorism right away as well. Uh, it's funny how quick they are to dismiss anything as being a possible terrorist act. Um, they, I guess they don't want that on their otherwise completely clean record. So... Uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, I mean, they, they don't even call the incident on Christmas Day. They don't even call that a terrorist action. I mean, if you listen to the people over there on, uh, well, it's not Air America, but if you listen to people like Randy Rhodes and um, Tom Hartman, yeah, they say that's it's not a terrorist act. There still hasn't been a terrorist act under the uh, Barack Obama administration. I don't know. I count at least three. So, and I'm not even talking about this guy yesterday that just went nuts and, and flew his plane to the IRS building. That's a different kind of terrorism. But it's, I guess it's still terrorism. It's just not Muslim extremist terrorism. It's just pissed off white guy terrorism. I don't know. Anyway, uh, so we have all of that to talk about. Plus, uh, there's a list out of the most miserable cities in the United States. Uh, a number of factors uh, went into this list. This is apparently a very well put together uh, set of circumstances, but there is a list out of the most miserable cities. And uh, maybe I'll uh, maybe I'm giving away too much by saying this, but Detroit is not number one on this list. How is that possible? How is Detroit not number one on the list of the most miserable cities? It should be. But actually, when I looked at the list and when I saw the number one city on this list, I was, I guess I said, you know, that that actually does make sense. I suppose if there is a city that could possibly be more miserable than, than Detroit, this might be the city. After all, uh, given some of the circumstances that have gone on there, given their, uh, their current economy, um, their sports team's performance, which is a factor in this as well the performance of the sports team, which makes one wonder why Phoenix isn't on this list. We've had the Arizona Cardinals here for 20 years. And until recently, uh, that's been, that's got to be dragging that average down. I mean, you've had the Suns who have always been competitive, but have never won anything. The Diamondbacks, well, they're the only team that actually has. And the Coyotes, well, I mean, nobody cares about hockey, so... I guess that's the end of that discussion. Uh, and, and of course, the other, the, the big story that we were, were going to talk about today, the, the story that initially was going to be leading the headlines today was the fact that Tiger Woods, Tiger, Tiger, Tiger Woods came out and apologized. 
Uh, he, I guess he owes all of us an apology, or at least that's what uh, some media types think, and apparently some stuck-up broads out there believe that Tiger Woods owes people an apology for something. I'm not exactly sure what he owes me an apology for. But you know what? Maybe I should just have demanded it anyway. Uh, maybe I should just have that sense of entitlement that everybody else seems to have. You know what, Tiger? You owe us an apology. And money. And, and money. I want reparations. <laughs> but uh, Listen, because... Um, my mother was offended. You didn't have sex with her, but you probably could have at some point. I don't know. And uh, I want reparations because, because yeah, I mean, you who knows who he had sex? He, he had sex with everybody. I'm sure. Maybe. Well, I was. Maybe that's why I've had the bad dreams. Maybe that's why I'm 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 d depressed. Maybe that's why I have the issues I have because I uh, had sex with Tiger Woods. I know Jeff did. How was it, Jeff? That was rather boring, though. Hmm. Was he well endowed? Well, he's, he's not a very attentive lover, you know? Yeah. One of those, he just sort of bangs and then, and then rolls over and goes to sleep. Makes you feel so cheap. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway. Uh, um, so, okay, so we have to talk about that. The, the big Tiger Woods. Tiger, the Tiger Woods apology. Uh, that's out uh, today. And I'm sure you're all very interested in that. I know I was. I'm riveted by the story. Uh, who isn't? Who isn't on the edge of their... Well, apparently people who just eat this crap up. And I, I, I'll run through it. It's, it's a wrap. We'll get into a whole Tiger Woods uh, wrap uh, on this today. Um, oh, of course, since it's Friday, we'll run through the top 10 songs in the world of pop. Um, I promise we'll try to keep the segment under 45 minutes today. But, you know, no promises there. Um, then we have, you know, maybe this is why people fly planes into IRS buildings or government buildings. Maybe this is why people do have the angst with the government that they have. When you see stories like this, there's a guy in Florida who is, um, being forced to pay child support. You might say, well, what's wrong with that? Well, the problem is that the math doesn't quite work out. He's being forced to pay child support for a kid that he would have had were he seven years old at the time that the kid was born? Yeah, it doesn't quite work out. And so uh, he wants his, his otherwise good name cleared. And, uh, well, this, it's government bureaucracy gone amiss. So it's just uh, a whole bunch of stories about government and bureaucracy and red tape and a whole bunch of crap that we have to talk about today. Clearly. So we will get to that and uh, probably a lot more uh, as well. Anything else that's uh, that just so happens to be going on. I know I, I had some comments. I had a couple of listener comments I wanted to get to, but uh, those were in a uh, in a file that I had the other day and then the power supply went. Poof. So um, maybe I'll just have to go dig those up. Um, maybe uh, in between the segments or maybe I'll just, you know, try and remember or I'll just ignore it altogether and just gloss over it. That's probably what'll happen because feeling kind of lazy, you know, right now, I just don't you know, really feel, feel like it. <laughs> so that might be the more likely course of action. Anyway, uh, our email address though, in all seriousness, should you want to uh, contribute to the program, mike at kmgx.com. That's not only the email address, but check it out. That's the PayPal address where you could give your most generous donation. 
to this program. Also, uh, AOL Instant Messenger, Michael Groff Show, the screen name. You can always leave your comments there, and I will address them sooner or later. If I'm here to respond, I will. If I'm not, I will get to them eventually. Um, let's see here. EFNet, IRCNet, Radio the Channel. All of our various contact information is always available at michaelgroff.com. But really, the PayPal thing is... You know, that's that's essential for listening. I know, I'm like a televangelist. But see, the thing is, is I don't, uh, I don't, I, maybe I should make some wild pledge. Like, uh, I'll, I'll send you a, a cream or something like, rub it on and cancer's all gone. I don't, I don't see why. There's nothing illegal about that. As long as I say, not a guarantee. Not a guarantee. Wait, wait, what's that? Yeah, yes. I, I, I squoze the cream myself. It's my own, it's, it's a homemade recipe. For at least, I would say, 20 years I've been making that. Maybe more. Huh. Okay. <clears throat> what were we doing? Oh, yeah, break. And then we'll come back and uh, do more. It's <clears throat> do more. Squeezing out of creams and things. It's Michael Grav in exile for a Friday. This is, uh, what is today? Anyway, February 19th, I believe. 2010. Yes. And we'll be back. As I hit the microphone right into my face. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, God. Here, Michael Graf in exile for a Friday. Let his gentleman booster Adam Barrett we'll cover for you. It's my own design. It's my own One of the redeeming uh, parts of our uh, of our old uh, crappy covers segment was we did find a couple of gems in there. Although most of the other gems are still on a hard drive that is not really accessible at this moment, but. 
We got this one, though. Which reminds me, uh, I think in some capacity, uh, we're going to try and bring the crappy covers back onto the show. I don't think we're, we're not going to be able to do it the same way where we have people voting on it because even when we had a substantial audience, it was hard to get people to participate. But in some way, shape, or form, we'll try and work that in. We'll shoehorn that back into the show. Everybody wants to That was scary. Somebody just commented on on something on, on, on my show. And, you know, this is a, a podcast. It's not going out over the air live or anything. So I'm wondering what listening device. Hold on a minute. There's, there's probably one in here. Somewhere. It's a secret. I think the first uh, story I want to get to here is uh, what happened yesterday, the big news coverage, the the brouhaha that erupted after Joe Stack, who was an engineer. Guy was in a band. He lived in Austin, Texas, I think born in California. Spent much of his life in California and then finally uh, decided to move to Texas. Anyway, this is a guy that... Uh, some of what he had to say um, resonates with a lot of people, myself included. Some of what he had to say is just pure uh, douchebaggery, just pure nuttiness. But and and some of it is just um, sort of anecdotal stuff that happened to him, and you know, sort of the poor me thing, the, the stuff that happens in life that everybody has to deal with. Believe me, um, you know, uh, this guy. This guy certainly has it a lot better than me, or or Jeff. I mean, the guy has a plane. You know, I mean, how bad could life really be going for you if you have a plane that's yours? I don't have a plane. Jeff, do you have a, do you have a plane? Five. Five. Oh, well, Jeff has five. Okay, well, I'm the, I'm the one that's screwed here because I don't have a plane. Jeff has five. This guy, is, he has a plane. Uh, so, but the, the point is, is that, I mean, I wonder how, how bad could life really be going? I mean, I know the guy was, he, he, he did get a divorce at one point and I know he had a, a fight with his current wife. A pretty bad one in which uh, they they went to a hotel. It was so bad that his wife and kids went to the hotel uh, a couple of nights ago to get away from this dude. And uh, so, <laughs> did you just start singing "Hotel California"? Uh, oh yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to start singing songs by the hotels. No, that'd be the motels. Because then there's that's only the lonely. See, like we had, here's the well, here's the acoustic version. Oh yeah, let's get into this. I don't know how we're going on these we tangents today. The loneliest smile, we smile with any style. We kiss all together on no intention. Yeah. Anyway, my so this guy was um, 
he did have something of a tough life and he did have a lot of things that went wrong for him, including some problems with the IRS. Now, a lot of people that were very close to him, they had no idea of these problems. People that he was in a band with, uh, they, they had no idea that he was, uh, that he was a nut. They didn't know that he had all these problems or, or axes to grind with the government necessarily. They, they said that he was a normal dude. This came as a big shock to them. Now, that's a very common response. Whenever I, I hear these stories, it's always weird. Like, um, we did the, well, we, this happens so many times where we do a story on this show about some guy that just up and kills five people in his neighborhood. And then Channel 3 or one of the local channels, they go out there and they, they put a microphone in the neighbor's face and they go, well, uh, what did you think? I got to tell you now, he was the nicest man ever. I tell you, not only when he borrowed my lawnmower, he brought it back with the blade sharpened. And one time he gave me a bottle of Boone's Farm. And I tell you what, I, I thought he was the greatest guy I'd done ever sawed. And uh, he was he was, a, he was a gentleman through and through. He, he was a great guy. I mean, there was that whole, you know, cutting people up and putting them in the freezer thing. Well, but, you know, you know so if, if, if I had to... If I called the news every time I saw somebody <laughs> cut up their neighbors and put them in the freezer, well, I'd never get nothing done. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're not going to hold that against him, exactly. are we? No, no, that, that's that's just crazy talk right there. Like if my neighbors, if 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 my neighbors went out, if, especially the ones over here, if they went and shot up the uh, the neighborhood or, or they did something weird or something, you know, like a drug uh, related charge or something, and they shoved a microphone in my face, I'd be like, oh, it's about damn time. <laughs> I was just waiting for somebody to snap. I, I wouldn't, usually the people that wind up snapping are people that you kind of know something is going to go wrong with. Yeah, I usually don't see them too much in the neighborhood. It's like they're shut-ins and all that. Well, the guy, there was a guy in our neighborhood um, uh, nine years ago on Thanksgiving Day. Oh, yeah. He, uh, this, this, this guy, he uh, lived down at the end of the street and he killed his daughter and then himself. And then his wife came home and saw it. And it was a pretty devastating thing. We went out to a dinner that night on Thanksgiving and then came back and there was all these news trucks here and police cars and it was a, a whole big scene. And uh, we found out what happened. And what happened was this guy just went nuts and he, he killed, it was a, you know, murder homicide. Suicide. Or, or murder, uh, suicide. Uh, so, uh, it was, it, it, it was, that was sort of unexpected because nobody really, the guy was, uh, I, I interacted with him. I think I remember a couple of times, you know, Hey, how's it going? I, I had a conversation with him like once for like a minute, you know, but it wasn't anything. I, the guy didn't seem like uh, the type to commit a murder, uh, suicide. <laughs> but then again, you know, I mean, he didn't come out and go, yeah, you know, uh, <clears throat> Tell you what, my daughter, she, uh, she it's sure is. I think I'm gonna kill her. I, I think I'm gonna kill her and then myself. <laughs> I'm gonna make sure I wait until it's a holiday so that it screws my wife. I think I'm gonna do it. On a, you know, usually you don't. I that's don't not something that. Yeah. Doing an Elvis impression there. That was a little weird. I'm gonna peanut butter and sandwiches. Murder my, murder my daughter. Murder my daughter. So, so this, it's not. It's usually not something where, you know, you you see it coming. But at the same time, there are some people where you're like, eh, I guess it's not that shocking. So this guy apparently was one of the types that was, it was very shocking to the community. 
So he had a lot of problems with the IRS. He had a lot of problems with his wife. He had a lot of problems in his personal life, his savings and everything else because of some of the decisions that he made and then some of the things that just happened, the, well, what you like to say, just life happened and uh, put him in a bad spot. He was a 50, let's see, 54-year-old guy, looks like. And, um, but see, an educated guy, not some dumbass. That's the point. He had a degree in engineering. Um, clearly, Reading his manifesto while people describe it as a rambling bunch of nonsense, it's well worded, it's well put together, it's well articulated, and and really, I, I well, I know it's going to come across the wrong way when I say this. There's something to be learned about what he has said here, and there's some things, even though the guy's a nut, and don't get me wrong, I have no intentions of flying a plane into a building or going out on a shooting spree. But there are some things that he said in here that are not entirely inaccurate. In fact, there's some things in here that are just the, it's like, amen, brother. You know, you're pointing out things that, and and the problem with this story and uh, the fact that he killed um, a couple of people, critically injured a couple others, injured another dozen people. Uh, the problem, obviously, that's just not the way to resolve any issue. He says it is in his manifesto, one of the things he says, and I'll read you um, portions of it. But um, one of the things that he says is that violence is not only the answer, it's the only answer. And I don't really agree with that. But in, in this case, I guess he just feels that he had enough. He's mad as hell and he's not going to take it anymore. And that's exactly what he did. Now, the problems are that the the consequences are going to hit the rest of us. I'm sure they're going to hit any general aviation uh, type out there, any uh, enthusiast, people that fly planes around private. Those people are going to be affected by this. No doubt the FAA is going to come out with a bunch of new restrictions, as if there aren't enough already. And the other problem with this story, and it really brings out the ugly side of people, you have... There's always several sides to people that come out, the reactions um, to stories like this. First, there are people kind of like me who look at it and they, they go over what he had to say with a fine-tooth comb and they, they sort of pick and choose what parts they might agree with, what parts they don't agree with. Maybe they sympathize a little bit or empathize a little bit with some of the problems that somebody has, but they realize that the guy's a nut job. The guy really took it to an un unreasonable extreme. It's one thing to kill yourself. It's another thing to go out and, and kill 12 or 14 other people or, or injure a bunch of people and try and kill a bunch of people and, and because you have an ax to grind. And the, the funny thing is, is the ax that you have to grind is not with the people that work in that building or with the building itself or or even with the city you live in, it's with life in general. And it's with people in Washington and it's with people that you'd never get that kind of access to anyway. So you're killing really innocent people who are just cogs in the machine. You're not, you're not doing anything that's going to result in any sort of effective change. You're just going to make the rest of our lives miserable. You're a douche. Okay, so there's people that think like that, but at least there are people that can rationalize it and sort of break it down a bit. Then there are the people that immediately have to make it a partisan issue. There are people that are politicizing what this guy did. I, I've been on uh, all sorts of different sites today. I've been on Daily Costs. 
That is, of course, the that's like the home of the Democrats. Uh, not even I don't even want to say Democrats. It's the home of like the angriest liberal types. And I mean, we're not talking liberal people yet. We're not talking about people that are, you know, your typical run of the mill liberal type. We're talking the extremists out there on the far left. Then I was on uh, I was on a few other sites. It was on FARC and all these other sites. And and the common thread that seemed to run was that people wanted to politicize it. Most people that politicized it blamed teabaggers. They say that this guy was a teabagger. See? And then other people said, this is uh, another Republican. Uh, ha ha. You know. Why is it that we have to make everything about the D's and the R's? Can't a guy just be nuts? I don't know what this guy's political affiliation is. Frankly, I don't think that matters. I don't think if the guy was the looniest uh, liberal or the farthest right Republican, I don't think that matters. The guy's nuts. He's not representative of of everybody or the majority or even even a a firm minority in any particular party on any particular side. Ah, oh, these teabaggers. See, that's your poster child. I read. I, I read. Not no less than two dozen people that wrote that this morning. I'm sure more. I only read through about, I don't know, 200 comments. And then I just got so sick. Many of them were repetitive. Very few of them were productive. A lot of stuff that, you know, people on the Internet with their with their common cliches and. You know, that kind of stuff. So it was very aggravating. It really was. And as a guy that I, I like to consider myself, I, I don't I don't know. I have always sort of considered myself away from the political spectrum in that I'm more of the libertarian type. I uh, And I don't try to label a nut job as just an R or a D. I try to uh, evaluate what they have to say, take take it apart, maybe break it down a little bit. So, all right. So that was the other part. That's That's the other kind of person that sort of makes me sick in a story like this. Um, some of his manifesto, though, and this is what I want to get to, is that, you know, what's weird is it, it, maybe maybe it, it's a nutty part of me as well. But I there's some things that he wrote that I agree with. I don't see how you can't, given the current political environment, given the the current um, problems and, and the status of of government right now. I've heard a lot of people on the left and right say many of the things that this guy wrote. Um, let's see. I'll just pick it up from uh, somewhere in here. He's talking about, um, this is where he starts talking about his divorce and then mo- moving his life forward. Uh, years later, after weathering a divorce and constant struggle, trying to build some momentum with my business, I find myself once again beginning to finally pick up some speed. Then the dot-com bust and then 9-11. Our leaders decided that all airports were grounded for what seemed like an eternity. And long after that, special facilities like San Francisco were on security alert for months. This made access to my customers prohibitively expensive. Ironically, after, after what they had done, the government came to the aid of the airlines and billions of our with billions of our tax dollars, as usual, they left me to rot and die while they bailed out their rich, incompetent cronies with my money 
And after these events, there went my business, but not quite yet, all of my retirement and savings. So, you know, the guy is is clearly upset because his tax money is being wasted. He's, he feels his tax money is being uh, appropriated to bail out people that shouldn't be bailed out. I mean, that's something we've been screaming on this program forever. By this time, I'm thinking it might be good uh, for a change. So he says, bye to California. I'll try Austin for a while. So I moved only to find out that this is a place with a highly inflated sense of self-importance and where damn little real engineering work is done. I've never experienced such a hard time finding work. The rates are one third of what I was earning before the crash. Now, the thing is, is like why of all the places you, you could possibly move in your life, if you're an engineer, you want to get some work done of all the places to possibly move. Like why go to Austin, Texas? Why go to Texas, period? Especially, well, Austin. You realize it's the capital of Texas and no offense to somebody that's living in Austin, but if you're going to Austin to make more money, you're doing it wrong. To survive, I was forced to cannibalize my savings and retirement, the last of which was a small IRA. This came in a year with mammoth expenses and not a single dollar of income. I filed no return that year, thinking that because I didn't have any income, there was no need. Makes sense. There was there have been many years where I didn't have an income, and I didn't file, and nobody came after me. The sleazy government decided that they disagreed, but they didn't uh, notify me in time for me to launch a legal objection. So when I attempted to get a protest filed, with the court, I was told that I was no longer entitled to due process because the time to file ran out. Bend over for another $10,000 helping for just of justice. So now we come to the present. After my experience with the CPA world, following the business crash, I swore that I'd never enter another accountant's office again. But here I am with a new marriage and a boatload of undocumented income, not to mention an expensive new business asset, a piano, which I had no idea how to handle. After considerable thought, I decided that it would be irresponsible not to get professional help. A very big mistake. Then he says, uh, when we received the forms back, I was very optimistic that they were in order. I had taken all of the year's information to Bill Ross. I guess this was the financial guy. And he came back with results very similar to what I was expecting, except that he had neglected to include the contents of Cheryl's unreported income. I guess that's his wife. $12,700 worth of it. To make matters worse, Ross knew all along this was missing, and I didn't have a clue until he pointed it out in the middle of the audit. By that time, it had become brutally evident that he was representing himself and not me. This left me stuck in the middle. All right, this left me stuck in the middle of this disaster, trying to defend transactions that have no relationship to anything tax-related. At least tax-related transactions uh, was, were poorly documented. Things I never knew anything about and things my wife had no clue would ever matter to anyone. The end result is, well, just look around. I remember reading about the stock market crash before the Great Depression and how there were wealthy bankers and businessmen jumping out of windows when they realized they screwed up and lost everything. 
Isn't it ironic how far we've come in 60 years in this country that they now know how to fix that little economic problem? They just steal from the middle class who doesn't have any say in it. Elections are a joke. This is uh, to cover their asses and it's business as usual. Now, when the wealthy, as he says, this is again, this is just his quote. He says, now, when the wealthy fuck up, the poor get to die for the mistakes. Isn't that a clever, tidy solution? As government agencies go, the FAA is often uh, justifiably referred to as a tombstone agency, though they are hardly alone. The recent presidential puppet G.W. Bush and his cronies in their eight years certainly reinforced for all of us uh, this criticism rings equally true for all of the government. Nothing changes unless there is a body count, unless it is in the interest of the wealthy, uh, the wealthy sows at the government trough. In a government full of hip- hypocrites from top to bottom, life, life is as cheap as their lies and their self-serving laws. I know I'm hardly the first one to decide I have had all I can stand. It has always been a myth that people have stopped dying for their freedom in this country. And it isn't limited to the blacks and poor immigrants. I know there have been countless before me, and there are sure to be as many after. But I also know that by not adding my body to the count, I ensure nothing will change. I choose to not keep looking over my shoulder at Big Brother while he strips my carcass. I choose not to ignore what is going on all around me. I choose not to pretend the business as usual won't continue. I have just had enough. I can only hope that the numbers quickly get too big to be whitewashed and ignored and the American zombies wake up and revolt. It will take nothing less. I would only hope that by striking a nerve that stimulates the inevitable double standard, knee-jerk government reaction that results in more stupid draconian restrictions people wake up and begin to see the pompous political thugs and their mindless minions for what they are sadly though i spent my entire life trying to believe it wasn't so but violence not only is the answer it is the only answer the cruel joke is that the really big chunks of shit at the top have known this all along and have been laughing They've been laughing at and using this awareness against fools like me all along. I saw it written once that the definition of insanity is repeating the same process over and over and expecting the outcome to suddenly be different. I am finally ready to stop this insanity. Well, Mr. Big Brother IRS man, let's try something different. Take my pound of flesh and sleep well. The communist creed, he writes this at the end. The communist creed, from each according to his ability, to each according to his need. The capitalist creed, from each according to his gullibility, to each according to his greed. Joe Stack, 1956 to 2010. So that's that's part of his six-page manifesto that he left behind there. And uh, this was just... So, I mean, and, and he, there's another section in here where he talks more specifically about the IRS. And what he says is that the IRS, the people that write the tax laws in this country, have written such a, a hearty amount of, of tax code and, and so many, so much, uh, they, they've written so much that um, 
they don't even understand the laws anymore. The average American doesn't understand the laws anymore. This guy who's got a degree in engineering, he doesn't even understand the tax laws. You know, you have people like our uh, Treasury Secretary who can't even use TurboTax correctly. He's the Treasury Secretary, and even he uh, screwed up his taxes, whether on purpose or not, who knows. But, you know, he does make a very good point there that people um, are... There's, there is something to be said for what this guy says. Yes, he's a nut. Yes, he went about it the wrong way. Yes, uh, there is no doubt that many people will dismiss anything that he says as nothing but nuttery because of the way that he went about it. But you know, sometimes, and I have to say this, and I know it's it's not necessarily the, the politically correct thing to say, but sometimes it takes extremists to effect and make change. And I'm not saying that this is the right way to go about it. I'm not saying that I, I root for people like this or I, I feel... I feel genuinely sorry, though, as somebody who has certainly lived a life, uh, you know, in my 32 years, and I know what it's like to be down, and I know what it's like to be kicked around by people and, and have to deal with government BS and have to deal with general BS. I know the frustration that this guy must have felt, at least on, on, a, on a small level. This guy uh, certainly has me beat. But I know the frustrations that people like this must feel. And I know that sometimes you feel like this is the only possible recourse that you have and that people don't listen. And that's why so many people in this country have had enough. And that's why when it comes to the election this year, I'm sure that many people are just going to take the incumbents that are in there, whether they're Republican or Democrat, and they're just going to throw them out. Maybe that's the right move. Maybe it's not. But people, they reach a breaking point. That's why throughout history... People eventually have a breaking point, and that's why revolutions are started. That's why uh, people move away from a country. That's why people start their own nations. They start their own lives somewhere else. That's what happens. It happens every single day. People have enough, and they, they go about it in different ways. This guy just chose to do it in, a, in absolutely the, the worst way possible. And again, the thing is about his movement here is that he's he's going to make all these changes and it's not really going to affect anything. It's not really going to bring about any significant change. It's not going to bring about what he wants done. But one thing's for sure, he's going to let people know that he was indeed mad as hell and he wasn't going to take it anymore. Well, I think people got that message loud and clear. That's one thing that we can take away from this. But the aftermath is really the problem. The rest of us get to live with that. And that's why suicide, of course, is uh, it is the it is sort of the ultimate in uh, selfishness because everybody else has to clean up after your mess. And in this case, it's not even suicide. I mean, if the, if the guy if the guy blew his brains out, we'd never hear about it, probably. I think that's why he wanted to make this kind of a statement. If he just was sitting at home and he blew himself, see, the thing is, before he wrote this, we need to know is he burned his house down. Then he went to the airport. He got his plane out of the hangar. He uh, took off and he flew it right into an IRS building. I mean, good piloting, I guess. It's hard. You know, you, you might find this hard to believe, but it's hard to hit a building. It's hard to actually hit a building with a plane, a specific building. And what a, what, this guy is just... Yeah, he's a nut, but 
I think there's just some things in there that I know there's some people that agree with. But the problem here, again, not to belabor the point, I guess, but when people start making this a partisan issue, that's what I have a problem with. And I'll say it to either side of the coin. Anybody that says, ah, there you go, whacked out Republican, whacked out Democrat, whacked out teabagger, whacked out whatever. No, he's just whacked out. He's not a whacked out anything. He's just a nut job. He does not represent any specific party or mindset aside from pissed off, nutty guy that decided to go too far. Um, I know I need to take a break. I mean, this segment, we've already been doing, what, 30 minutes in this segment, something like that. So we do need to take a break, but I, I, I got to get to this uh, other issue. Tiger Woods. This was going to be the big headline of the day, but yesterday's incident with uh, Joe Stack sort of took over everything. But Tiger Woods scheduled a press conference for this morning. It was at a small little uh, event, and uh, he just had only a select few people there. There were going to be absolutely no questions. Which begs the question, why the media even went there in the first place? Why did the media bother? If there's not going to be any questions, why bring your camera crew? Why even show up? If it's not going to be a, if it's just going to be a guy talking and he's not really going to say anything that we didn't already know, why bother? But apparently the media bothered. They all showed up and they heard Tiger give an apology. Great. But again, it just, I guess after all was said and done, it still left me with the question of why did he bother? <laughs> why, did the, why did the media, why does the media believe that Tiger Woods owes us an apology? Well, here, I'll, I'll read you uh, some, of, some of the account here. This is, this is just uh, one media account of what went on. And, and Tiger um, says, let's see. He first of all apologized for cheating on his wife and says that he's unsure when he's going to return to competitive golf. His quote was uh, one of the things he says is quote, I was unfaithful. I had affairs. I cheated. What I did was not acceptable. Now his wife, Elon was not there by the way. As for coming back to the PGA tour, uh, the golfer said, quote, I do plan to return to golf one day. I just don't know when that day will be. I, I don't rule out that it'll be this year. So it might be this year. You never know. Woods talked for more than 13 minutes Friday um, from the clubhouse at the TPC Sawgrass. It's the home of the PGA Tour. About 40 people were in the room, including his mother. He hugged her. When he finished speaking, she whispered something in his ear. Uh, she said, the mother said afterwards, she was asked, and she said, quote, I said, I'm so proud of you. Never think you stand alone. Mom will always be there for you, and I love you. So that was, uh, was that? Kiltilda Woods. Kiltilda. Whatever. I, uh, yeah, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you for cheating on your wife, and that's great. You're, you're a great human being, Tiger. You know, what's funny, though, about all this was, again, I, I ask, why was he there? Why did he have to apologize? Why does the media believe that they're entitled to have an apology from Tiger Woods? The guy cheated on his wife. Hate to tell you this, but millions of people cheat on their wives every single day. There are websites devoted to people to have affairs 
on their husbands or wives. I mean, that's just, it's how it is. There are spousal cheating websites out there. There's, there's people that do it all the time. They're not forced to apologize to the media. What? Uh, and, and again, I, I know you're going to say, well, they're not all Tiger Woods, Mike. Well, okay. Charles Barkley, he uh, cheated on his wife. He, did. he wasn't forced to apologize. Shaquille O'Neal cheated on his wife, not forced to apologize. Michael Jordan, it was the worst kept secret in the NBA. This guy was running around having affairs all over the place. He was never forced to apologize. He was a gambler. He was going on, you know, uh, betting hundreds of thousands of dollars on golf games. Nobody forced him to apologize. Why is it that the media is forcing this guy or, or making it uh, almost, uh, almost coercing him into an apology? When he really has nothing to apologize for, uh, he's a dude. He went out and had sex. The fact that he went to the, the sex rehab, that wasn't his choice. He felt the pressure to do so. I'm sure his agent or his wife or somebody told him that that's what he needs to do. And I'm sure that same agent or wife or lawyer said that he should probably apologize. And the media made sure that they were there to get every second of it because they wanted to make sure that they caught this. It's ridiculous. He doesn't owe me an apology. He doesn't owe anybody except for his wife. That's the only person that he owes an apology. And, and maybe the neighbor whose tree he ran into. Maybe that. And he might owe an apology to some of those chicks that he uh, had sex with. Although a few of them, if you, like that one that worked at a Perkins or whatever, maybe she owes him an apology. Oof. Regardless, though, why does, why does anybody feel that he should apologize? What should he apologize for? Uh, I'm sorry that, you know, my personal life was put out on the media. It's his personal life. It's his thing. That's what he's interested in. It's just ridiculous. Admitting he felt he deserved to enjoy the temptations that came with the fabulous success, Wood said that, he is solely responsible for his actions. Quote, I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior. Then he goes on to talk about how he spent 45 days in a sex rehab. Like 45 days is really good. What? You're a man. Sex rehab. You know, it's, sex rehab is for people that they just go out and they, they, they do serial banging. They, they go out there, they have sex, they don't wear protection. They go out there and it's, it consumes their life. I'm sure Tiger wasn't consumed with sex any more than any other average guy. The only difference is he had the means to get it. He had the necessary, he had the means to get sex whenever he wanted it. He was a famous guy worth a billion dollars going around all over the world. And it, it, there's many, many, many shallow broads that would love to pony up and bang him. And they did. He doesn't, now that I really think about it, he doesn't know any of those chicks in apology. He doesn't know any of those broads in apology at all. The only person that maybe he owes an apology to is his wife. And that's it. And of course, his kids. Really, his kids are the, are the real victims here. Everybody else, you know, um, just leave the guy alone. This story is such a, it's, it's been blown up to be such a big deal and it's really not. Well, uh, he apologized, but he didn't take any questions. Why should, you know, and again, I know people are saying, well, he has to address it. He has to. Why does he have to address it? It's not going to make any difference when he does come back to golf and 
he he finishes around and then the media starts asking him questions. Do you think they're just going to ask, well, hey, Tiger, uh, you know, in the back nine, you look pretty sharp. No, they're not going to ask him about the back nine. They're going to ask him about the other back nine. They're going to ask him about the 17 or the 18 or the 20 or whatever it was. However many women he had sex with, they're going to ask him about that. And I know they're going to tell journalists, they're going to put the kibosh on it. They're going to say, no, 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 no. And no, there will be no questions about that. But see, some some journalist with a set of stones on them is going to go up there to, uh, and I know it's hard to believe that there are any journalists like this, but there's going to be a journalist with a set of balls that's going to ask Tiger about his infidelity. Somebody's going to ask him about that. And he's going to get jeered by a lot of people in the crowd. There's going to be a lot of people holding up signs. I'm sure the PGA is going to do their best to make sure that doesn't happen. They're going to try and stop people from bringing in any kind of signs like that. You know that's going to happen. And you know that they're going to do their best to try and keep it silent. They're going to pretend like nothing ever happened. But see, by having this press conference, that doesn't change anything at all. The fact that he spoke for 13 minutes, that doesn't do anything. People, are they still have their questions. They're still going to ask them. That's how the media is that's just the way it is it doesn't change anything now to me who cares really why is this a story why does anybody care why is anybody so involved with oh tiger well you know tiger uh no who cares oh my god okay well that was the tiger woods apology Maybe he'll return to golf. And apparently a lot of people believe that they're entitled to an apology from Tiger. And the other question is, how sincere do you really think that apology is? Do you really, do you think that he means it? He's apologizing because he got caught. He's apologizing because that probably might help his case in a divorce. He's apologizing because he's not apologizing because he's actually sorry for what he did. He's a dude that went out and banged people, banged a bunch of chicks. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, almost anybody that's listening to this podcast, that's a guy, almost anybody. If you had a billion dollars, you'd be out there and you would, I mean, your genitals would probably fall off from the, the amount of friction that they would be experiencing on a daily basis. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you wouldn't, but he did. I don't think the only thing that I think is wrong with what Tiger did was the fact that he was married. Other than that, Derek Jeter, more power to you, buddy. Derek Jeter's out there. He's banging chicks all over the place. Now, apparently Derek Jeter's going to get married. That's a mistake. I mean, unless he's going to simultaneously announce his retirement for Major League Baseball, I think it's a mistake for somebody like Derek Jeter to get married because any professional athlete that gets married while they're still active, while they're still playing in their respective sport, is almost for sure going to cheat on their spouse. That's not Michael Groff saying that. That is statistics. That is just the way it is. Most people, the, the, the general consensus estimate is that about 90% of athletes that are married, that are married while they're active athletes cheat on their spouses. That is the, that's the common, 
That's the the very common uh, number that's thrown out there in in books by former athletes that talk about it. I mean, they say it's just one of those codes. Athletes know who other athletes are banging. They know what's going on. They know, you know, a lot of stuff happens on the road. There's a lot of temptation. Now, some athletes, hey, good for them. They actually resist. They don't go out there and cheat, and, and that's good. I'm not telling you, uh, this isn't my value system, okay? I'm telling you how it is. I like to deal with reality. My value system is, if I was married, if I was married, I wouldn't be doing it. But then again, if I was a professional athlete and I had all that money, I probably wouldn't get married. You got to be smarter than that. I mean, if you know that you're probably going to succumb to temptation, you probably should uh, then uh, not get married or not get tied down into a committed relationship like that. But I mean, come on, I, this is this is ridiculous. Uh, at your office right now, wherever you work, I'm sure your supervisor is probably cheating on their spouse. But that person isn't forced by HR to apologize for it once they get caught. Nobody cares. They don't owe anybody an apology. Leave the guy. The guy's personal life is his personal life. If he's a scumbag, and his, there's lots of scumbags out there. In professional athletics, there's lots of scumbags. They're not forced to apologize for being scumbags. But for some reason, Tiger Woods was propped up to this artificial high standard. Why prop people up to an artificial high standard? And this is, this is a rule that you should apply to real life as well. Believe me when I tell you this, because it's, a, it's one of those life lessons that you learn. Never prop somebody up to, a, to some, never put somebody up on a pedestal. Because inevitably, they will let you down. They will show you that they're not that person that you propped up there. And Tiger Woods is just another example. He's a public example of that rule. If you build somebody up and you make them out to be something that they're not, you make them out to be something better than what they are, then you're going to be disappointed sooner or later. And that's the way it is. That's how Tiger is. That's how a lot of people are. That's reality, folks. That's life. Get used to it. <laughs> it just makes sense to me. All right, Mike at KMGX.com. That's our email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Groff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. It's uh, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-R-O-F-F Show. On uh, AOL Instant Messenger, EFNet IRC, uh, the channel Net Radio. You know, the Mike at KMGX.com address, that's also our PayPal address, where you can provide your most generous donations. And I would be extremely appreciative of that. I, I think. Uh, If I had a billion dollars, boy, how my life would be different. (laughs) 
Anyway, uh, michaelgraff.com for more of the exciting contact information about this program. Also, um, hopefully we're going to try and, and get up the consistency of the podcast, but I don't... You got to kind of take what you can get right now. I know people ask you and people make the comment all the time. They they like the podcast. They just wish there were more of them. And I, I, I agree. You know, I had the wacky thought the other day. I was going to bring back uh, the countdown show that I used to do. Top 30 USA. And I was going to try and actually make a go of uh, kind of getting that syndicated some places. I know I'm nuts because I'm sure I'm going to hate doing it, but I, I, I miss doing it. I, I heard uh, I was going through some of the uh, MP3 archives the other day and I, I heard it and I said, boy, I really miss that show. I remember all the work I had to do to, to make it happen, though. That was kind of brutal, but it was fun. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll have the pop chart coming up. And uh, more government bureaucracy gone bad. That's all coming up. It's Michael Graff in exile for a Friday. We'll be back. Segment of Michael Grav in Exile for a Friday, February 19th, 2010. Why am I playing this song? Well, this tune was actually, I, I just looked this up, I couldn't believe it. I was looking at uh, some number ones from years past. This song on this date, 1988, this was the number one song. And I guarantee you it's better than the number one song on today's date. If you don't believe me, just keep this song in mind. Just keep this tune in mind. This is uh, Expose, Seasons Change, by the way. Good old expose. All right, keep that in mind because it is that time, uh, that point in the week we do this every week, every Friday. It's 
time to take a look at the most played songs of the week in the world of pop on top 40 radio stations everywhere. Based on official airplay data, this is what MediaBase compiles as the most played songs on the radio. The most popular tunes on top 40 stations across the country. Time for uh, number 10 on the chart this week. This is, uh, you know, we actually have a uh, we have a, a new song on the chart. All right, number 10 this week is Young Money. Let's try and follow this one. Young Money featuring Lloyd. Bedrock. I can make your bedrock, Oh, brother. She got that good, good. She Michael Jackson bad. I'm attracted to her for her attractive act. And now we murderers because we kill time. I knock her lights out. And she still shine. I hate to see her go, but I love to watch her leave. But I keep her running back and forth. Soccer team, cold as a winter's day. Hot as the summer's eve. Young money thieves, steal your love and leave. I like the way you walking if you walk in my way. I'm that red bull. Now let's fly away. I can see why this is so popular. I let you be the judge. And I'm the case. I'm gutter, gutter. I put her under. I see me with her. No Stevie Wonder. She don't even wonder. Cause she knows she bad. And I got a grocery bag. Alright. Can't take it. Number nine. Oh, it gets better. Number nine is Ayaz with replay. All right, that's horrible. Uh, number eight this week is uh, Taylor Swift. Let's see. This is um, actually it's uh, Boys Like Girls featuring Taylor Swift. This is two is better than one. Maybe it's true. Number seven is the Black Eyed Peas, I'm a B. I'm a B. I've yet to meet a person that listens to this, though. Uh, the first person I meet that goes, man, I really love that Black Eyed Peas song. I'm just going to... 
Nothing like uh, a white, you know, and then Fergie singing like she's some black chick. That always cracks me up, too. Yeah. See, I wish what, what would happen is, is there was a federal law passed that you got to just punch. You just got to pummel three people a year. Fergie would just be one of those people. I would just love to just... I, I would I would punch. I really would. If it was legal. If it was legal. I just want to point that out. No, I'm not going to be flying any planes into buildings. Number six is Jason, Jay Sean featuring Sean Paul and Lil John with Do You Remember? Hey! Hey! Sean Paul! In a way, I almost... I, I almost... I don't like this song, but how does this guy do that? How does this guy yell like that? I, I still don't know. I do that David Lee impression. I do this voice impression, and I get, and my throat hurts after a while. Because there's just not enough exposure for this artist or both of these artists combined, I'm I'm sure glad we're uh, we're getting the uh, more exposure for these two. It's Lady Gaga featuring uh, Beyonce with Telephone. I've mentioned it before, but this song annoys me just because they're just complaining that their phones are ringing. You know, you're you're complaining that you're popular. You're complaining that somebody's calling you. Turn your phone off. I know it's a weird concept and everything, but uh, people are so annoyed. All right. Number four, this song has gotten all the way to number four. Orianthe, according to you. According to you. I just said that. I'm stupid, I'm useless, I can't do anything right. According to you, I'm difficult, hard to please, forever changing my mind. Uh uh. I'm a mess in a dress, can't show up on time, even if it will save my life. According to you According to you But according to him I'm beautiful, incredible He can't get me out of his head All right, 
David Guetta featuring Akon. This song, for some reason, is still on the chart. And it's still at number three. This is Sexy Chick. She owns the chart. She just has songs all over it. The last couple of years have been hers. Um, There's nothing you can do to stop her. She is Lady Gaga with Bad Romance. How does she keep doing it? How do these songs just keep going? No, it's there are dangerously infectious tunes. That's part of the problem. Caught in a bad romance. Jeff saying something. What, what's that? She, yeah, she's the Nickelback of pop music. It's all cookie cutter. It's all formulaic, but somehow it works. What if Nickelback did this song? That's what I'd want to know. <laughs> Somebody get Chad Kroger on the phone. Nickelback, it's been like, it's been, I don't know, at least 10 minutes since Nickelback's had a song in the top 10. I, I'm i a little bit worried. I mean, I know they, I think in Hot AC they have a song right now, but where's their song in the pop chart? Hold on, let me see. Unbelievably, Nickelback does not have a song in on the pop chart in the top forty right now. I, I don't even, I don't even know how to respond to that. All right, and that takes us up to, of course, the number one song of the week. And keep in mind, keep in mind what I played at the start of this segment: the number one song in 1988, which. Out of the crop of songs that has been number one on this date, that's like one of the worst songs, okay? But even that, I think, is still better than this. You get to make the call, though. Kesha is number one with TikTok. All right, so 22 years ago in 1988, the number one song on this on this date was 
expose seasons change and I think that I think that song is way better than the number one song on this day yeah Even a fan of Expose, but I have to tell you, this is way, this is a universe better. In fact, I bet if I just picked out, let's see what else was number one on this date. Hold on, I think I still have that open. All right, so uh, number one, the number one song on this date in 1989. On the Billboard chart, anyway. The Billboard Top 40 chart. The number one song on this date, 1989, was... Oh, this is... This song is much better than that Kesha song. Paula Abdul? Seriously. I I would... uh, This song, I'd take that over Kesha any day. Straight up. Here it is. Much better song. It's a much better song than TikTok. Or, um, well, let's see. Here's here's uh, the number. Okay, we've got we've got the number one song in 1987. We could go with that. This is um, this is much better than um, than Kesha as well. Bon Jovi, Living on a Prayer. even take I would even take the number one song on this date in 1985 over what's on over what's number one in 2010 and this is a puss song and I'd I'd take this over that Kesha song Careless Whisper I uh, this song sucks and it's the theme song for gays everywhere but well actually Owl City Fireflies is the theme song for homosexuals everywhere. But oh yeah, this is just this is just a phenomenal song. Ooh. So you see, that just points out the very obvious fact that uh, the... In fact, I would take this song over anything in the top 10. Top 20. Hold on, let me see. Yeah. Anything in the top 10, top 20 even. All right. This bit has caused me to get a song stuck in my head for days or weeks at a time, and I think Careless Whisper might be in there now. Great. 
All right. Uh, meantime, let me get to something else here before we uh, get out of here and call it a day. Hey, this show might be less than three hours today. This We're making progress on these Friday shows. This comes from Port Orange, Florida. A Florida man says the state is trying to force him to pay child support for a child who was born when he was seven years old. Rusty Cole, a National Guardsman from Port Orange, Florida, said that his tax return was delayed by the state because officials told him that he owed support payments for a child born in 1995, despite the fact that Cole was born in late 1987, Central Florida News 13 reported Wednesday. Cole said weeks of phone calls and office visits failed to yield any results. Well, of course, this is the government we're talking about here. Quote, they were like, oh, yes, we have it on here that you're the father. And I said, ma'am, there's no way. He said an email to Governor uh, uh, Charlie Crist finally yielded him an apology from the Department of Revenue and the promise that his tax return would be processed. However, Cole said that he will not consider the, um, the matter closed until his uh, return is within his hands and that he is ensured that his name will be cleared. Quote, I want this completely off my record, Cole said to the television station. I don't want this ever affecting me in my life. Well, you know, this is the problem when you try to introduce common sense into government. And this is exactly why uh, a guy like Joe Stack goes nuts and blows things up. Because, again, I'm not justifying it. I'm just telling you that people can't, they can't believe that a government agency could be so stupid and so full of red tape that they can't see the fact that this guy would have been seven years old when he fathered that kid. And while they are having children at a much younger age now, I just, we, uh, I, I didn't do this story on the air, but I, I read a story earlier this week about an 11 year old that was pregnant. I think she actually got pregnant when she was 10 by another, like another 11 year old. So they are having kids earlier and earlier. That said, um, I think I'm pretty sure that, uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, it would be um, damn near impossible for a seven-year-old to father a child. Seven-year-olds are generally uh, quite averse to people of the opposite sex, let alone they, they have no idea what sex usually is. I mean, every once in a while, kids experiment and, and they find their own sex organ and that, you know, they masturbate or whatever, but uh, it's pretty unusual for uh, pretty unusual. I would say it would be a medical miracle if a seven-year-old could father a child. So this is just something that where common sense should take over, but of course it never does because we're dealing with a government agency. If you got on the phone with that person, they should say, oh, you know what, sir? You're absolutely right. Uh, it shows here you were born in 1987. This ch child was born 1995. Yeah, he would have been seven and a half years old. Um, you would have been seven and a half years old when this kid was uh, born. Uh, yeah, that actually would have meant that you would have had to have been almost uh, six. You would have been six when you, when you conceived this child. You know what? We're going to erase this matter and consider it dropped. Sorry for the mistakes. No, they don't do that. They're like, well, no, you know what? Damn thing says here. You owe us. See, and the, the sad thing is, is that could happen to anybody. That's the people have to realize that, yeah, you're laughing at this guy's misfortune and you're laughing at just how ridiculous it is, but that could happen to anybody. These kind of mistakes are made regularly. 
They're made on your credit report. They're made in, in, in a bank. Like I had a, I had a bank make a mistake. I had a credit card make a mistake on me before. And it took forever to get that uh, taken off. And, you know, even to this day, it still uh, haunts uh, the credit report. So, you know, that, that happens. There's really not much you can do about it either. You just keep making calls and you keep being persistent. Logic does not prevail in these kinds of cases. It never has. Like it would take five minutes to resolve this. Oh yeah, you were you were seven when the when the kid was born. Uh, we're sorry, sir. We're sorry that we're completely uh, incompetent. That we're jackass buffoons. But that doesn't happen. <laughs> it's too bad it doesn't. Because it, it really, it probably should. But, you know, I, I guess, I guess that's just uh, a little bit, a little bit too much to ask. All right, well, I think we're going to call it a day. We're going to wrap it up. Reading some of these comments about the Tiger Woods thing and that people, people actually think that he should apologize. And they say things like, well, his apology didn't really seem all that sincere. Why should it? He doesn't owe anybody an apology aside from his wife, you jackasses. I'm, I was just, I made the mistake of scrolling through and, and reading a couple of these comments. You know what? That's on me. That's my fault. All right, Mike at KMGX.com. That's our email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Groff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. EFNet, IRC, Net Radio, the channel. And you know, what's interesting is Mike at KMGX.com. That's also the PayPal address where you could send uh, a most generous donation uh, to this program, should you. And just feel the need. I'm just, I'm just sort of throwing it out there, but... That'd be really nice if you did. Five bucks would be fine. You know, I mean, I mean, if you have a, a couple hundred or a thousand dollars just laying, laying around and you, you really appreciate this show, you know, for the right price, I would come and do this show live at somebody's house. Why not? I'd just go to your backyard, hang out, have a barbecue, do the podcast. Uh, hit on your wife and or daughter if she was of age. Whatever you want. I, I'd be your trained monkey for a, for a while. Can you tell I'm getting a little desperate? I do uh, bar and bar mitzvahs as well. All right, we'll uh, see you Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody.